Hey everybody, this is Brian Zimmerman, digital content editor of Jazz's Magazine. We're going to get into this interview with trumpeter Marcus Hubbard of the Soul Rebels in a bit. But first, I'd like to thank a couple of this episode's sponsors. They include Cobuzz.com, the world's largest catalog of streaming music in studio quality high res. You can now stream all of your music in the highest possible quality, starting at just $9.99 per month. Visit on.cobuzz.com slash jazzes to learn more. That's on.cobuz.com slash jazzes to learn more. Thanks also to Prairie Star Records. They've got a new album out right now by vocalist Patrice Jegu. It's called If This Ain't Love. You can check her out online at patricejegu.com. That's P-A-T-R-I-C-E-J-E-G-O-U.com. All right, Marcus, over to you, man. How you doing? This is Marcus with the Soul Rebels. You listen to Jazz's Backstage Pass. Yeah, we coming up like them car doors. Yeah. Everything we got, we working hard for. You should be looking to the stars more. We about to show them what the champagne and cigars for. And as we wind down the track, Blow the Horns, from the Soul Rebels' new album, Poetry in Motion, we join that group's trumpeter, Marcus Hubbard, uh, from Inside the Car in Traffic, no less. And Marcus, I gotta tell you, I've been listening to this thing a lot. Um, I love it when, obviously, the Soul Rebels drop a new album, but just brass bands in general, man, contemporary brass bands, because people talk about, like, fusion a lot, like a jazz fusion you know, mm-hmm. for me, the brass band is like the ultimate mix of sounds, man, especially when it comes to jazz, because modern brass band music really has a little bit of everything. Right. It's got the trad jazz, you know, obviously being from New Orleans, but it's got mm-hmm. modern jazz. has got blues. It's got a lot of hip hop influences, especially on your new disc. And it's mm-hmm. such a great introduction for people who are maybe new to jazz or are coming from other genres like hip hop and R&B to get exposure to jazz. I was running it for like right off the bat. If you could, because you're in one of the most influential brass bands ever, just talk about mm-hmm. this tradition and where it came from and what it means for New Orleans. Well, for New Orleans, you know, like we tell everybody, New Orleans is a city where music is such a major part. You know, you hear about music and food. Music is all around you, and it's all kind of different genres of music. That kind of fuses into you know, a lot of the music that if you're playing any kind of music, you're going to tend to mix different genres of music up because you're hearing so much different music right. around you. You know, we're known for jazz all the time, but, you know, there's always been an undercurrent of different genres of music. Mixing. That's, you basically think about it, that's how jazz and brass band music came about was a mixture of like Caribbean music and a mixture of like military marching music. Exactly. It, was, it was always like a mixture of something. So you've always had different genres of music in New Orleans. So for us, you know, when we joined it, you know, every band, you know, whatever you do, you have to go through your, you know, what they call scratch, you know, get from the beginning, you have to start learning the basics of what brass band music is all about. So for us, we were fortunate to be under the umbrella of one of the major teachers of the brass band tradition music, uh, Olympia Brass Band. Mm. And we were uh, the young Olympia Brass Band under them. So, you know, there were this, there were older guys that took a lot of young musicians under their wings and showed them the ways of, you know, how the true New Orleans 
music started from the basics, you know, learning all these traditionals and learning the chord changes and just, you know, doing what you need to do to just be respected as a New Orleans brass band musician. But, you know, for us being up growing in, you know, you're talking about the early 90s, hip hop had a big hold. You know, R&B was really big, you know, so we really kind of wanted to do more of the music that, you know, we were listening to and we were growing up to, you know, so it was kind of like a natural fusion of just saying, man, we're going to incorporate some of this hip hop into it, you know, and it wasn't, you know, well received at the beginning because, you know, New Orleans has a very, very smooth history, you know, and they kind of, you know, a lot of times want things that we want and are even getting it. Yeah. So it's, you know, for us, it was basically, you know, us standing true to what we are, you know, and what we want to be, you know, we just figured, you know, at some point, you know, they'll realize that we're not doing this just to be different. We're actually just doing this because this is a natural progression of what we are musically in that position, you know, so for us, we just stuck with it. That's good, man. Yeah, I was wor- I was wondering about that. You know, New York, uh, New Orleans, rather, has such a strong, like, gatekeeper culture. You know, it's mm-hmm. great jazz, a lot of strict trad jazz heads. And so I was wondering mm-hmm. if, you know, you would get any pushback from, you know, the kind of the musical gatekeepers there when you're doing, like, street dreams are made of these, you know, and incorporating, mm-hmm. like, modern stuff into your repertoire. Um, yeah, you know, for us it worked out. The reason why we we were able to actually probably get away with doing it because we didn't just start there. You know, that's yeah, what a lot right. of times we tell right. the younger musicians. They, you know, the guys like the, like you say the gatekeepers and stuff. We actually worked under them and studied from them, so right, they knew right. we weren't guys that just got into it and just trying to be rebellious. Right, you, you know, paid your just, dues, man. You paid your dues. You know, we paid our dues, <laughs> and that's the thing we kind of stress to these to the younger musicians up to date. You know, what Soul Rebels is doing now is something we've been building towards since 91. You know, so, you know, we recommend that all of them go, you know, about and learning the true tradition of the music. And like I said, that's where we learned how how the chord changes, you know, what harmonies to go together. That's where we learned all that kind of stuff. You know, when we started doing more of the hip hop stuff, it was more of a, I wouldn't say just easy, but it was a seamless transition for us because, we had and went through all the tough music already. You know, right. you know those trad songs have some really tough chord changes in them, and, and you know we try to tell a lot of people, man, don't learn from that. Learn that first. Right. Start with the fundamentals. Yeah. Start with the definitely. fundamentals. But you're absolutely right, man. Some of the trap stuff, especially some of the new stuff coming from New Orleans, complex harmonies. You know, yeah. rhythmically, you hear some of that high uh, that hi hat stuff, and it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Man. You got to give a lot of credit yeah. to these producers. Um, oh yeah, who who are yeah, making, yeah, man. And that's the fun thing for us, you know, just trying like you know, we we doing traditional music, then we started doing more of the funk, you know. Now going into more of this, like you know, we did hip hop, but like you said, this trap stuff is a, for our drummers is definitely a a major adjustment. Yeah, you know, man. like you said, it's a lot of tricky, complicated hi hat work that's going on. So it's for us, it's fun just something new just to change we always looking for something to challenge us so it's definitely something new for us nice man yeah i'd say this album is you know at least it feels to me one year most hip-hop oriented um mm-hmm. you know and that owes a lot to a lot of the cameos you know on, on this album um mm-hmm. 
you know, ranging from who you got here, Passport P, um, Sean Carey, yeah. D1. Um, did you start out Alpha with this? Bank. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah. Did you start out with this album knowing we want to pursue this new direction? Well, if, if like I tell everybody, if you listen to our previous records, this is record is basically just like a combination of all of those records. Yeah. You know, we've always incorporated little touches here and there. We always added a little bit more and more. And there's a lot of times our records are based on the musicians that are in the band. You know, being around, that we've been around so long, you know, we've had a few, you know, musician changes in the band. Right. And a lot of our uh, music is based around the musicians that's in the band. You know, like Passport P, you know, he's a trombone player in our band. And right. Julian Gosson, you know, they're real rap artists. You know what I'm saying? So it was just a natural thing for them to maybe do more God, rapping yeah. on this record. And it's, you know, a lot of it too is we've always been the guys that just want to figure out a way to bring the youth more into the jazz and to the, you know, live instrumentation type of thing. So it's like we tell people all the time, you can either try to force something on their throat or you can try to meet them halfway and, you know, and then bring them on in. Because a lot of times we have people come to our show and they'll be honest with it. They'll tell me, I'll be honest with you. I'm not, a, I was never a fan of, say, jazz or brass band music. You know, they might have a friend that just brought them to the show, but they'd always be like, man, see the, something about what you guys are doing, I can get with. You know, and that's the thing that we want to do. We want we don't want anybody to feel like, no, that's not my type of music. You know, right. we, we figure if we put out the right music, good music, and like I said, the main thing, it's true to us. So we're not actually just trying to make music per se to fit in. You know, we're naturally being who we are. So like I said, the natural musicianship and the guys that's in this band, that's kind of the, you know, the the direction that, you know, this guy, this group of guys wanted to go in with this record. And like I say, it was just a combination of all the records prior to this. That's a beautiful thing, man. You know, you go the direction where the band personnel tells you to go. You know, reminds me some of yeah. like the you know, Art Blakey Jazz Messenger stuff. It was like, you know, the core principle was the same, but it would change depending on the personnel. And I love what you said, Marcus, about getting the youth into it. I think there are two scenes mm -hmm. right now that are really doing that the best. One being New Orleans and this whole brass band hip hop hybrid scene. And then over in London, mm -hmm. where just they're just encouraging young people to show up and they're changing the ideas of what acoustic instrumentation yeah. can be. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times 20, yeah. 18, 19, 20 year old kid. They come to a show, they see a trumpet, too, but they're like, ah, oh, this is old man music. You know what I mean? This is like Yeah, this, music. that's exactly, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the, the mindset that we're trying to change. When you walk in, we don't want you to, we want horn players to be hip again. Exactly. You know, there was a time where horn players were hip, you know, but you have to realize it's certain things that the kids of this generation connect to, you know, and believe it, like I say, for us, a lot of the stuff is natural, just like our attire, you know, the Jordan sneakers and the different stuff like that. Yeah, That's stuff right. that we wear on a, on a natural day, you know? So when they see us, they, they feel like, like you say, this is not my, my mom and dad's music, you know? Right. And we're trying to make them gravitate and get a kinship to it where they take control of like, okay, mom and dad, y'all had y'all style. This is our, uh, Miles Davis. This is our, uh, Louis Armstrong. Exactly. You know, and, and we figured that'll help keep, you know, the generation, the music going, plus it, you know, to keep kids connected to live music. Cause you know, without the live music, 
if you get rid of that, eventually everything's going to just fall apart. All right, let's hear what Marcus is talking about. This is the tune Slide Back featuring PJ Morton and Julian Gosen. For cats who were raised on, you know, Miles Davis and John Coltrane, but also Nas, mm-hmm. Jay-Z, Lil Wayne, you yeah. think, like, this is how the music should sound. I remember Christian Scott, you know, another great New Orleans mm-hmm. cat, yeah. he asked yeah. him, you know, like, your music doesn't sound like anything that's come before. You're kind of, like, going in this new direction. He was like, well, of course it shouldn't sound like anything that's come before. You know, the people that came yeah. before weren't listening to the same stuff I was was listening to. They weren't listening to Biggie. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't listening to Beastie Boys. It's like my stuff has to sound different. If it if it sounds the yeah. same, we're going nowhere. Um, so yeah, it's beautiful, man. That's exactly. You yeah, that. it's like you said. It's, it's definitely. You know, if you think about it, just think of Coltrane. Just said he's just going to sound like Louis Armstrong, or you know, it's just <laughs> never going. You know, it's like you wouldn't have that music of this time. That's how it was. We say with the New Orleans music. You know, you didn't always have the meters and the Neville brothers yeah, and all of that stuff. When they came along, came along, they were just naturally doing what felt good to them. Right. You know, now it's become synonymous as New Orleans music. And we hope that in the future, you know, if God willing, you know, that's what they'll be saying about our music. You know, we've had great conversations with those guys and they have told us about their experiences when they were doing what they were doing. And they say, that's why they respect us a lot. Cause you know, we didn't choose to do what everybody was doing. We just did what was, you know, natural to us. You know, and I think that's why we have a natural kinship with the guys like Leo Nelson Terry and Cyril Neville, who happened to be the guy that named us. You know, oh, so you know they helped us out from yeah. yeah, man. It was it was a funny thing, man. We were doing like you say, doing the traditional thing under the Young Olympian name, and uh, they had a little group they put together with their kids called uh, Deaf Generation. And uh, they were kind of trying to do the same thing, kind of fuse me, but it was more on a, you know, drum set, not necessarily a bass band instrumentation. So, you know, he was, he heard us doing a couple of shows and he was like, man, I like the direction that y'all are going. But he was like, uh, you know, we were like, man, we're going to have to do that too. But in order to do that, we're going to have to change our name. So we came up with a name and, and it was, we're not thinking about it. You know, we say, man, eight ball brass band. Okay. And when he, we told him that, he was like, hell no. Y'all definitely can't uh, use that name. He said, man, that's that's too negative. He said, man, right. you guys are like some rebels. You know, you're like rebels with some soul. You know, he was like, man, like soul rebels. Yeah, and that man. was it. When he said it, it just stuck. You know, that's yeah, not even knowing that. Yeah. We didn't know anything about the Bob Marley too. Right. You know, it was yeah, just, right. the, yeah, the name was just cool. So it just stuck from there. And we just kind of just rolled that way. Rest of the way. They helped us out a lot, man. Our actual first stage gig was opening for the Neville Brothers at Tipitini's. So we was fortunate from the get-go, you know, some guys really helped us out. Wow, man. Yeah, let's talk about it. We'll we'll talk about the new album a little bit, but I would love to talk about 
you know, the band's history a little bit more and your history too, because you were a founding mm-hmm. member. You know, you grew up. Well, no, actually, I'm the third oldest, but uh, <laughs> I've been in the group longest, uh, okay. 21 years. Uh, Lamar LeBlanc, the snare drummer, and uh, Derek Moss, the bass drummer, they're the uh, lone two original members. Gotcha. They've been here, the two groomers, yeah. Gotcha. But I've been here the longest since then. It felt like I've been there way longer than him sometimes. <laughs> You're a veteran, man. You grew up yeah. in New Orleans, born in the Seventh Ward. Yep. And, yeah, born and raised in New And, you know, something you mentioned earlier um, was that, you know, there's a strong uh, kind of like marching band, uh, you know, classical music history mm-hmm. when it comes to brass bands. But you yourself started as a classical music uh, musician, correct? Studied classical Yeah, music. man. Yeah, it's just, for me, man, that was the first music that I fell in love with. You know, I always give props to my uh, middle school band director. His name is Mr. Dow Brown. Man, he was, that was his thing, you know, uh, classical concert music. And, yeah. you know, he's the one that introduced me to like the, the Mozarts and Beethoven's and uh, Haydn, the you know, it's just a concerto. Yeah. yeah you know, so it was like, it was something that, you know, you know, that was his main focus, you know, and I was actually, once I got to high school, uh, I was still into it and I actually had a competition my NAACP had a competition in New Orleans. You know, it was, you do the competition in New Orleans and it moves to Minnesota. And I was fortunate to be in that one. I won the competition in New Orleans and went to Minnesota to perform. And actually, I performed one of the Hodgkin Concertos, you know, uh, first and second movement. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a trumpet player, so that's what I kind of... Yeah, yeah. You know, that was, all that was new to me, man. And I was like, you know, I, I just loved you know, concert music and classical music and stuff like that. But I had a friend, of, you know, just like you said, in New Orleans, the brass band and the marching bands are a major part. Yeah. You know, so marching band, you know, that's when you learn all the different pop tunes and, you know, diff- all the different songs you hear, old school Earth, Wind and & Fire and Tower Power type tunes. And, <laughs> you know, it's not like today where a lot of stuff you hear from the marching band is mostly just the hip-hop tunes, but right. back then they were pulling out all those heavy horn-laden tunes, you know, so it was, that's when we found out about your Tower of Powers and uh, Chicago's and, your, you know, your different bands Classic like that. rock horn bands, so, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it was like, you know, I, I was blessed to have both of those worlds, you know, around me. And like I said, the brass band just was the icing on the cake, you know, just being able to learn all those different tunes and play all those different tunes on different type of rhythms, you know, a lot of those Caribbean mixed rhythms. And, you know, so it was like a natural progression, like I learned my technical skills and stuff through my classical time. And like I said, the marching band is when I learned about all the great horn bands and listening to a lot of horn lines. And and like I said, my feeling and my groove and everything was basically learned from doing the brass band music. So I was, you know, definitely fortunate to, get the best of all three nice man and for people you know not super familiar with the new orleans musical scene right like what role does the brass band play in just the day-to-day life or you know special occasions or whatever for a new orleanian you know what i mean you know yeah one thing about the new orleans brass bands the main thing that's a, a plus for it, it's acoustic so it's basically you know no electric you don't need any power right. so you can basically set up and do it anywhere so it's you know no matter what you have going on 
you can there's always a place for a brass band like if it's a birthday party to funerals to mm-hmm. graduations you know whatever it, whenever there's a celebration or even if there's a uh you know something like a funeral or anything you know it's always a place where you can just bring a brass band in to fit in you know and by being acoustic and drummers or everything's mobile about it that was the great thing about it too it's like a just a mobile party you know you can move, go three, four miles right. in a second line parade, and and it's you know you can't do that if you had electric. You have to have electric. So, like I said, the main thing about it, it's able to be used everywhere, and it's been used all over the world in all kind of different spaces. So, you know, it's it's definitely a music that I feel is never gonna be, uh, never disappear, because it's always gonna be a place where electricity is not available. And you're gonna right. want music, right. you know. So brass band is always gonna be able to feel that. Music. And like I said, we're fortunate that a lot of guys, you know, a lot of bands are sticking with it, even from a traditional standpoint. You don't have a lot of people that just saying, "I want to just do what Soul Rebels doing." You still have guys that's holding on to the New Orleans tradition, keeping all phases of it going, from the style, the traditional style, to more the funk rebirth style, to what we're doing. You have, you know, younger guys that's studying under all of us. Very much so, man. Um, it, it's such a thriving, you know, genre of music there. I know you relocated, you know, not mm-hmm. by your own doing to Houston yeah. um, in 2005, right? Kind of displaced um, by Hurricane Katrina. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> a, a weekend trip turned into a, a oh, what? 13-year uh, <laughs> trip. Wow. So yeah. you live there now permanently. Yeah. Yeah, man, uh, Lamar, we live here now. We've been commuting back and forth since 2005. You know, we started out driving every week. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, lately, the past two or three years, uh, we've been riding the bus, like the mega bus or the flip yeah, bus. Has, and that's been a blessing because that was a toll on our bodies. Oh, I remember when I used to live in New York, man, you catch one down to Baltimore or something like that. It's like nine bucks. Yeah, yeah mega bus. Oh, yeah, it's definitely. It's definitely <laughs> we'll shout them that out. was definitely... <laughs> That was definitely God saying, I tell you that much. You know, we used to have to, you know, we might do a show sometime when we're like after Katrina, we only had like one show. So we'll drive all the way to New Orleans, do the LeBon Tone Relay, which is our regular Thursday gig, mm. two o'clock in the morning, get right back on the road back to Houston. You know, and it's mm. like, you know, we had been doing that for years. You know, you know, we just figured, man, we just can't stop doing it because, you know, if we stop, it's going to stop. So, you know, we always figured. You know, we're gonna push through whatever's put in front of us. Wow, man! Yeah, so you made it a point to get back there. At the same yeah. time, have you noticed? Because I know a lot of people, you know, from New Orleans, obviously re- relocated to Houston. That there's kind of like a little New Orleans vibe in Houston. Are you noticing the brass bands? Are you noticing any New Orleans food? You know, restaurants popping up over there. Well, one thing uh, I tell you, you know, the food. You know, you might find you have a lot of New Orleans type restaurants and a lot of the stores. I started carrying a lot of different foods from New Orleans, so that part is easy. As far as the brass bands, there's only really one brass band, and it's it's ironic the only brass band that's pretty much doing anything in Houston is a band that Lamar and I helped start with my uh, my my twin brother. You know, right after Katrina, we started uh, a group called the Hustlers Brass Band. Okay. And uh. Yeah, and they're basically, they've been going on with it. You know, Lamar and I is not with them anymore, but my brother, he kept it going. And they're basically the, the go-to band in Houston right now for his brass band. 
you don't really have, you know, a brass band scene, but you have a lot of New Orleanians that's looking right. for brass bands. So it keeps it keeps them busy, definitely. So we're definitely happy we were able to at least get it going, you know, and they're keeping that going. It's it's such a local thing, man. It's like that's what's so special about it. It's like it's so such a part of New Orleans. It's so contained in New Orleans. I love mm-hmm. it, man. I love it. I love going there. Yeah. I don't get down there enough. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't get out of the touristy spots enough is, is my problem. Yeah, the, yeah. I tell everybody that, man. Make sure you get a New Orleans friend and have them take you to the real New Orleans. That's exactly right. Although, yeah, I will even say, you know, you go to some cities and the touristy stuff, here in Miami, you know, where I'm based now, mm-hmm. the touristy stuff, you can tell it's touristy stuff. It doesn't taste right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. Man, I'll tell you, mm-hmm. even New Orleans, the the touristy stuff is pretty good. I don't know, but I may be in the wrong here, but Cafe Dumont. Oh, no. I no, no. I'll be honest with you. They, they cover it. <laughs> That's why I, I must admit, they, they do a great job. It's yeah. not like a, a typical tourist spot where you'd yeah, be like, man, man, that's not real. Right, right, Oh, right. no. Rest, the restaurants, even in the tourist place, are just as good as, it's you know, the more true, local man. spots. You the know? food is so good. Yeah, definitely. Now, from a music standpoint, you might have to get out the tourist. Got to get out to the, really. Now that is true, man. Yeah. yeah. So where do you go? Where's the yeah, spot? Definitely. Where's the spot? Marcus Hubbard well, the main, recommends. The main spot is like you said. If you go on Frenchman, you 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 know it's becoming more touristy than it was, but you still get an authentic, you know, New Orleans feeling. You know, and a lot of the, the new local musicians, the uh, you know, like you like you might get trombone shorty just coming, just dropping in. Yeah. You know, it's. That's you know you're not gonna get trombone shorty to come sit in on bourbon, you know you're not that's just not gonna right, happen. Right. But you'll have Branford Marcella when he comes in town. He's not gonna be on Bourbon Street. He's gonna be on Frenchman. So Frenchman still gives that true you know more authentic feel. And you like to say you'll get a lot of the more local musicians playing there than you would on say per se like a bourbon. So that's the if you bring if somebody brings up somebody to Frenchman that's good enough. <laughs> I get, you you get a New Orleans pass as you actually seen the real New Orleans. There you go, man. Nice. You know, yeah. Speaking of New Orleans, speaking of food, okay, this has to be the craziest cameo I've ever seen on a jazz album. Emerald Lagasse. Man. <laughs> Stopping by for a down it's crazy, my city. Man. I play that track, and every time I hear it, I'm laughing. You know, it's like I say, just the mere fact of him, you know, it's crazy, that track. You know, we were calling up a lot of different people that usually won't be on a record for us saying any lyrics or anything like that. So when we pitched it, oh, I'm sitting in my car, literally about to watch an accident. Uh-oh. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when we gave him a call and asked him to be a part of it, he was kind of like, me? You know, lyrics on a record? He was like, yeah. Yeah, you just tell me where to be at. He was super excited. Oh, you can hear awesome, it man. in his voice on the thing when he's uh you know he was super excited oh he sounds that so tour. excited man he sounds so excited yeah all right marcus let's actually listen to the tune down from my city featuring emerald lagasse you know that record we, it was a we, you know that was a family record we wanted Everybody from New Orleans. You, you've never had all those artists in New Orleans on one record ever. And you probably won't ever hear that was yeah, somewhat of a "We Are the World" type that, thing. That's from New exactly Orleans. what it was—an anthem, man. 
Kermit Ruffins, yeah, Trouble totally. Shorty, DJ Man, it was like, he, You know, it's like even like Wild Wayne, the DJ, he, you know, nobody's ever asked him to come say a rap on something. He's all, he's the, the famous DJ in New Orleans, but right. nobody's ever asked him to do a, a rap part. And he was like, we had video of him. He just posted that today of him. He was super excited to do that. You know, and then the little slogan, the little thing at the end uh, with the young lady speaking, that's why Wayne's, you know, that was his line when we was growing up. He used to have that thing on the radio every night. So if you're from New Orleans in the 90s and everything, when you, when they hear that, that, hey, you, what's your name? You know, that's everybody in New Orleans. Do <laughs> that's that, how you know. You know, yeah. and that's what he was famous for. So we had to get, make sure we get that on the record. Nice, man. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I mean, you got Branford Marsalis and Brandy Younger, you know, Harvest. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> like, kind of the face of straight ahead jazz, you know, and, and that tune, uh, Rebellious Destroyer, probably the most acoustic. Um, yeah. How, yeah. How did you make that? Now, like, had you played with Branford before? Like, well, Branford is a good friend of ours. He, oh, okay. you know, he's always around us. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. He, you know, that's our fault. He, he looks out for us all the time. So, you know, this is, this was fortunate. We was able to get him on this record, but he's always been around. He sat in with us numerous times. Like you said, when he's in New Orleans, he actually went to college with the, uh, Derek Moss, the bass drum. Okay. So, you know, he's a, he's basically a family friend, you know, but the, uh, track itself, uh, we actually, um, before we even started recording the record, you know, we just looking, we like to look for different tunes just to play live. And uh, we actually had a show at Brooklyn Bowl. And uh, Julian was like, man, this he just found the tune out of nowhere. Like, man, this would be a cool tune to play. And uh, and it just so happened we were in New York. We played it on original track. The saxophone player was actually on the gig. And so she invited uh, Brandon Younger, the harp player, to come to the show. Who's you know, that was our first time playing it. So she was like, man, I've never heard it like that. I said, she was so excited to hear it. So we were like, man, it'd be a cool tune to put on the record. And she said, it'd be even better if we able to get her to play harp on the record. Yeah. So when we hit her up, she was super excited about doing it. So, you know, this is definitely the first brass band record with a harp player. And I don't know too many <laughs> hip hop records with a harp a real hard player, not a sample, an actual right. person playing harp. You know, so it was like I said, it was fun. So like I said, with this record, we just wanted to tap into all kind of different things, man. You, you know, nothing was off limits. What type of musicians we were collaborating with wasn't off limits. You know, we just wanted to dig in on this record. That's why it took so long to come together. Well, it was well worth the wait. Let's listen to the tune Rebellious Destroyer. We've been working on it about three or four years. Okay. You know, it's like, what it was is just tunes, you know, we're, a lot of tunes started, then sat dormant, then came back, you know, it's 
like a lot of tunes went through different phases uh you know deciding which route we were gonna go with it like uh the tune with big Frida and uh oh, good times time, that yeah. was a tune yeah that tune just started out from a simple piano progression and it was most uh was on a reggae type vibe right I was like, you know, and it was like, nah, we're not feeling it. So it just sat. And then we were in, uh, overseas in the UK. Uh, the hip hop artist Floor Rider always seems to be on the radio and on videos and stuff. So we're like, man, let's try a vibe like that on it. So we experimented with that. That didn't work. You know, it was, didn't feel good. So then we moved into, uh, you know, we were like, man, we don't have a, a, a natural New Orleans bounce type of track on our record, you know? So it was like, and then, you know, you started hearing people like the Drakes and all of those people right, right, right. starting to use that music. So we were like, man, it'd be crazy for us to put out a new record, exactly. not paying homage to the bounce community in our city. And you got other people already using it. So it was a natural fit. And like you said, we had already been touring and stuff, doing shows with Big Frida. And we'd always talked about doing something together. So it was just a natural fit for those Sweet. two records to come together. Cool, cool, cool. This is the tune Good Time featuring Big Frida. Leave your explain bounce you know for somebody you know not familiar with it because when you think southern hip-hop right it gets lumped into mm-hmm. this one big thing oh it's all southern hip-hop but there are so many little yeah. micro genres in there man there was bounce there was you know miami uh drum and bass you know mm-hmm. there's the, the the trap stuff going on there's the houston mm-hmm. chopped and screwed stuff i mean it all you can't really put that big of an umbrella over southern hip hop, yeah, yeah, because there's all. I think stuff. about it, and that's the only music they do that with. Exactly, southern hip hop. You put exactly. a big broad thing over that, but everybody else, West Coast got their music. Everybody, you know, got their own different thing. It's just like they just lumped all of us together. And that, so you forget about you know, bounce bop. artists. You forget about yeah. and bass artists. So, so what is bounce, man? You know, bounce. Uh, you know, that was one thing started in the nineties, like you said, with any music like Google, it was, it was just a local thing. Yeah. And it's funny the the basis of the track comes from a record, uh, show boys, uh, called, um, ah, I forgot the name of the tune, but, uh, that was the basis of it. The, the, the beat that they, uh, sampled for that. And, and it just grabbed it. Like when people, that track first came in, it just, people started, DJs started using it a lot, mixing it with a lot of different tunes that was on the radio first. You know, you might hear that drum beat under a Michael Jackson beat uh, tune or different tunes. But then it started going on its own where guys were creating their own music on top of that beat, where it just the, the beat became what bounce music was, not necessarily, you know, mixing it with different cover tunes. Right. You know, and then, you know, it was always like a, real dance music you know you had guys like jubilee 
a guy named T.T. T. Tucker in 1991. Manny Fresh was kind of a full forward, you know, right, yeah, that stuff Fresh, yeah. You know, Fresh, you know, he's a, he's, I got to tell anybody, if you want to know the history of hip hop in New Orleans, the only person that can tell you everything is Manny Fresh, because he's been there from day one. Yeah. You know, he came with the uh, mixing the brass bands with the hip hop music, you know, so Bounce was, you know, you had dance steps and everything. Then it, it, it spent off until you started having, Dance crews. It was kind of like, like uh, New York with the uh, breaking and uh, the you know break dancing and stuff like right. that. You started having bounce crews. Nice. You know, making up man steps and everything. So in the early nineties, the mid nineties, it was a real big thing. Like every school challenge shows, you have guys you know with different crews that would meet up at different talent shows and dance. So that kind of helped the music move too and then you got into more of the, uh like you said the big Frida and the katie reds you know with the high speed you know when the tempo of the bra- uh bounce music sped up and they started going up yeah, quick man. you know this music the bpms went up a whole 50 percent you know so that's kind of where it is now so it's you know even bounce music has a wide range of you know styles to it you know but like you said that was definitely something that New Orleans, you know, they were synonymous for that, you know, the dancing and the different great music. And they kind of mix well with brass band. Definitely, man. In my opinion, the best, some of the best musical movements often have a dance movement attached right to them, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So you could see literally the way that the rhythm of this music affects people, moves people. You know what I mean? I'm thinking Chicago football. Oh, yeah. It's the type of music yeah. you really can't, you can't run from. But once the beat come on, <laughs> exactly. it's, no, it's like something in your body just starts moving. You exactly. really just can't yeah. not do anything. The Soul Rebels yeah. show, very few people are just sitting down. You can't just sit yeah. and, you know, tap your foot at a Soul Rebel show, man. You're up out of your seat. Um, well, we, we definitely did a many, a many shows where we violated the code <laughs> of the of the, the venue. <laughs> Because we did places, man. We did Ronnie Scott's in London, which is a hard, straight ahead, just yeah, jazz, you know, yeah. sit down, quiet. You know, you have people standing up on their chairs and stuff in this place, and they're like, you know, this is not supposed to happen. In this. But it's like, you know, it's everybody's, <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of times you feel like we're a lot of breath of breath here. Yeah. Yes, it's so yeah, true, man. You know, people, when they hear that music, it's like they shake off, you know, like all the formality and they're like, damn it, man, I'm dancing to this. I don't care. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, they're just looking at it. I just get in trouble today. I'm just, <laughs> I'm definitely going to have yeah. some fun on this music. And what's beautiful about you and your music, man, is that you've played with everybody. Like, a lot of musicians mm-hmm. could say that, oh, we played. You would play with Metallica, you <laughs> know, Soul Rebels, Marilyn Manson, you know, on the one side. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. Slick Rick, Branford Marcellus, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, Funkadelic, everybody, man, everybody. Yeah. Has there been one setting where you're just like, I can't believe we're here, man. I can't believe we're playing here. I can't believe we're playing with these people. This is mind blowing. Oh, I think Tops and I think all the band members of Boss the Marilyn Manson or the uh, Metallica, it's mainly like, yeah. Both of them have two different things to it that kind of make you know you know this Marilyn Manson just seems wow yeah but it's like crazy man we after the show we might have sit and talk with this guy about two three hours wow man 
he just didn't want like his people were telling him, look, man, it's time to go. Time. He just he just wanted to talk, talk, talk. You know, he had a connection with New Orleans too. Mm-hmm. But it's just like from a just getting on stage and performing with him, the Marilyn Manson thing was the uh, the wildest. And but the, from a musical standpoint, for his tech, you know, this the music learning was the Metallica. It was just the, you know, it was a different thing for it, the different time changes and the, yeah. Just like the the way they approach music, and the thing we love about the collaborations, what I think helped us a lot with this record was that we able to you know sit down with a lot of these musicians and just literally pick their brain on how they approach the writing of their music. You know, because after that Metallica stuff, you know, I had many questions. You know, <laughs> when we sat down with uh, Lars and all of them, I was like, man, because when we were learning it, I'm like how the hell did these guys make this up and then memorize it and all of this? So I, I said, man, I just had to ask them, man, how did you guys come up with your songs? Because, you know, a lot of our songs are built from drums, then we put bass on top of right, it, right. put some chords on top, and it goes that way. But a lot of these different songs just be running. And I was like, how did y'all, you know, I know nobody ain't just write this out and say, man, this is a great tune I came up with. It was like, you know, how do you guys come up with these tunes? So he was like, man, you know, a lot of tunes is created from the lead guitar and the drummer. Hmm. And it's basically those two are chasing each other. So the lead guitar is just going and the drummer is just chasing it. That's how you get all of those crazy breaks and stuff like that. And basically the bass guitar and all that stuff comes in later and just puts bass lines to what they did. And I said, oh, okay, now that makes sense to me now. Because I, I was like, all of this stuff, I couldn't imagine you guys creating all of this together. You bass players doing all of this stuff, and is it, you know, so it made a lot of sense to us. So even when we started writing tunes, we said, man, let's write it from that mindset. The let's write it with a, yeah, you know, just to have nice, one tune yeah. on there from that approach. Just starting from a different point going to put you at a different end. Totally. You know, yeah, so it was, you know, that's that's the fun thing about for us. You know, the performing on the stage with them is great, definitely. But just being able to sit and talk with them and just talk about the music industry and their, their run in the industry and just, it's good to be able to talk with guys in here that they've gone through what you're going through right, right now. Right. So it makes you feel like you're not, you know, because a lot of times, man, when you're doing this music, you know, you're just like, man... Oh, we, is this the right path we're going on? But it, you know, but it's good to talk to them and say, man, this is what we went through when we were going doing this stuff. Right. And you'd be like, damn, we're going through the same thing so right now. So now you feel like, okay, yeah. it's worth it now. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. Surprised a little bit by their musicality. And Metallica, especially the bass player, Robert Trujillo. I know he, mm-hmm. he's like a huge Jaco Pastorius freak, man. He is obsessed with Jocko, studied Jocko, produced a movie, a documentary about Jocko Pistorius from Weather Report. So the Metallica guys really kind of know their stuff, man. Um, man, did them for Marilyn Manson. I've heard the same thing. He's got this like just huge, like omnivorous musical taste. He listens to everything, man. And so yeah. I'm glad to hear you mention that because people kind of like. You peg bands like this as one trick ponies, you know, oh, Marilyn Manson does yeah. the goth stuff, Metallica does yeah. like the hard rock stuff. No, these, these guys know their stuff. Um, and you do yeah, too. Yeah, man, it was definitely surprising. It, yeah. was definitely, it was definitely, you know, good to contact some guys. It's like, man, 
you know, now you have a newfound respect for him once you totally. be able to sit down and actually talk with him. And listen, man, with poetry in motion, Marcus, you're doing the same thing, man. You think you know Soul Rebels? Like you say, this is a little bit of everything and then something new. You know what I mean? This is yeah. this is really a beautiful album, Poetry in Motion. Um, so, hey, I want to thank you for uh, talking with me today. I want to end on just a few questions. We like to do some short ones at the end here. I won't ask you about the Pelicans um, and Zion Williamson because that's, I know, a, a sore subject. Um, oh, no. For me, I, I, I like to say I'm a person that can see the forest from the trees, so I ain't... <laughs> I ain't too upset about it. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking eventually if our day gonna come, so I ain't too upset. I think you're right. I mean, that was that yeah. was your lucky day, that draft pick when they picked you guys. Oh man, man, I, 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 it was crazy. My son ain't never seen me jump like that. <laughs> that was like a <laughs> holiday in New Orleans. Um, oh yeah. I like to add. Okay, so if people are gonna go to your city, man. You know, we talked about getting to Frenchman Street. Where's another place? It could be a restaurant, it could be a store. You know, has the Marcus Hubbard. Seal of approval. They might find you there. It's got your coast. Oh, Where man. would it be? It's crazy. It's crazy for me, man. I, I go to the, the the places that a lot of people don't even think to go. Like my favorite place for just picking up some food is at a gas station. A okay. Place called hey, Triangle Deli. Okay. Man, it, you know, soul food. It's you know, my wife and I used to stop there most of the time after work uh, to pick up food from there. You know, Triangle Deli is one of the places, but for its restaurants, I just got put on, which is an old the restaurant. My mom is telling me about this case called uh, Burroughs. Okay. Uh, has some great catfish and great uh, seafood. You know, just the environment in there is really good. So lately, I've been hitting that place up a lot. And uh, also a place called Morrow's. Oh, man. It's, in, uh, it's a good place, too. I get it. Down here in Miami, they have these little you know, a uh, place where you get the Cuban coffee. It's usually just like a window you walk up to. They pour it to you in a little mm-hmm. thimble and you'll be awake for four days. And the best ones are at gas stations, man. Gas stations, car washes, yeah. wherever, you know? Yeah. So I hear you, man. Excellent. Yeah, and then yeah. the last thing I usually ask guests is, you know, we like to play a tune, you know, as as we kind of roll the credits, read the sponsors uh, from the new album. So Marcus, man, which which tune should we play you out on? Uh, for me, for me my song is greatness, man. It's just something about that tune. You know, when I first originally wrote that tune, I, I just had a good feeling about it. So greatness is the tune. Greatness it is, man. Marcus Hubbard from the Soul Rebels. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time. We're destined for greatness. Nobody ever thought we would make it. Watch how far we take it. Past the stars and spaceships from a city where the music is sacred. You in the presence of a rebel now. Yeah, we about to take it to another level now. All right, and that'll do it for today's episode. I'd like to thank my guest, Marcus Hubbard of the Soul Rebels, for taking the time to chat with me today. I'd also like to take a minute now to thank this episode's sponsors. They include Smoke Sessions Records. They've got a new album coming out at the end of November called Bird at 100. It's celebrating Charlie Parker's centennial anniversary. It features Bobby Watson, Vincent Herring, and Gary Bartz. You can learn more at smokesessionsrecords.com. Thanks also to Blue Note Records. They've recently signed a new pianist, Nduduzo Makatini, the first South African artist ever signed 
to the label. He has a new album coming out in 2020. To learn more, visit bluenote.com. Another thanks to ECM Records. Their latest album is a new solo piano concert from Keith Jarrett. It's called Munich 2016. Visit ecmrecords.com to learn more. Thanks also to the online streaming service Deezer. We regularly curate playlists on this platform. To check out our latest, visit Deezer.com and search for Jazz Is. Thanks also to JazzRadio.com, featuring more than 35 channels of curated jazz music for free online. Visit JazzRadio.com to check it out. Another big thanks to the New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark on the calendar for them in November. A performance by Chaka Khan is taking place November 14th. For tickets and more info, visit njpac.org. That's njpac.org. Big thanks also to Jazz at Lincoln Center, one of New York's premier musical venues. On November 28th, they'll be hosting a Thanksgiving concert featuring trombonist Wycliffe Gordon. In addition to a night of great music, you'll also be treated to a three-course meal. For tickets and more info, visit jazz.org. And thanks to Quest TV, the world's first subscription video on-demand platform dedicated to jazz. It has been called the Netflix of jazz. To learn more, visit quest.tv, Q-W-E-S-T TV. Lastly, hey, independent jazz artists, if you'd like to get your album into the hands of a jazz's editor, yes, that includes me, be sure to visit jazzes.com and submit your info via our Inside Track program. Not only will you get your album posted on our site, where users can vote to make it the most popular album, and it goes right to our homepage, but it'll also make its way directly to the inbox of a jazz's editor. Visit jazzes.com and click Submit Your Music in the top navigation bar. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating because that really helps, too. Thanks a lot, everyone. We'll see you next time.